said to those Jews who believed him, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? Jesus answered them, Most assuredly I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin, and a, and a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if, a son, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Amen. And then let's turn over to Luke 13 and verse number 10. We find there in verse 10, and he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity 18 years, and she um, bowed together and could in no wise lift up herself. And when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said unto her, Woman, thou art loose from thy infirmity. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. And the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation because that Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day and said, unto the people there are six days in which men ought to work in them therefore come and be healed and not on the sabbath day and the lord then answered and said uh, thou hypocrite do not each of you on the sabbath loose your ox or your ass from the stall and lead him away to water and ought not this woman being a daughter of abraham whom satan has bound uh, these 18 years be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day. And when he had said these things, all his adversaries were ashamed, and all of the people rejoiced for all the glorious things there was done by him. Amen. I'll talk to you for a few moments this morning on the subject, free indeed. Free indeed. Abraham uh, Lincoln's second inauguration shortly before his assassination in 1865, he spoke of how both parties uh, really depreciated war, and yet they came to war. He continued by saying that neither party expected the war, that the magnitude of the war or the duration of the war which had already been attained. He, each of them looked for an easy triumph. Both parties, both sides read the same Bible, prayed to the same God. Each of them invoked his aid against the other. And with that, Abraham Lincoln let his own feelings show through as he spoke of how strange it was that a man would dare ask 
a just God to assist him. And he says this, he, uh, he said it interesting. He said that he should no man should ever eat the bread from the sweat of another man's face. Ultimately, we see that the black slaves were set free. Theoretically, it became legal as early as the first day of the year in 1863. And it has uh, become known as the Emancipation Proclamation. The word spread from Capitol Hill. It went out across the country. It went down into the valleys and the fields of Virginia. It went into the Carolinas and through Georgia and Mississippi and into Alabama. That slaves legally, slavery was legally abolished, read the headlines of the day. And yet, something amazing took place. The greatest majority of the slaves in the South went right on living as though nothing were emancipated. They continued through the reconstruction period. And when one slave was asked a question in the state of Alabama, what he thought of the great emancipator whose proclamation had gone into effect, his response was this. He said, I don't know nothing about Abraham Lincoln, except they say he has set us free. And then he said, and I don't know anything about that either. How tragic. How tragic. A war being fought. A document being signed. And slaves legally being set free. It became known the word emancipated. And yet most continued living their other, the rest of their years, all of the rest of their life in the same manner that they had been living before this. In context of it, they were freed. But even though they were freed, they chose to remain slaves. Though they were legally freed, and even though they were emancipated, they kept serving the same master throughout their entire life. Sadly, today, many believers in this room are like the slaves in the Civil War. Many believers all over the world are like these slaves in the Civil War, although the official documents have been signed. And although the legal matters have been settled and taken care of, we choose to continue to live the way that we've always lived. God has expected and he has expanded his emancipation proclamation and made Jesus go to Calvary and he signed it in his own blood. Then he said, it is finished, amen? And in Christ, we have been set free forever. We're no longer in bondage to sin. 
Old things are passed away. Our guilt is gone. Amen. And anything that has to do with the old man. For when we are in Christ, old things have passed away and all things have become new. And we are new in Christ Jesus. We have freedom in him. Huh? We have freedom in him. And yet we live as though we're in bondage. In this scripture in Luke chapter 13, the story about how Jesus set free this woman. As Jesus delivered this woman from bondage of her sickness, we get this picture of how we can be set free as well. So let me just look here this morning and, and say that, that he wants us to be free indeed. He wants us to be free indeed. Verse 11, it said, And behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity, a physical weakness, 18 years, and was bowed together and could not in no wise lift herself. And in verse 16, Jesus, and this is a scripture, you may have noticed, but this is a scripture that's been uh, just been marinating over and over because uh, Jesus points out this woman and says, Ought not this woman being a daughter of Abraham? In other words, he's speaking about the covenant, right? That she is in covenant. She is, she is a, a seed of Abraham, a child of Abraham. What does that have to do with us? If you be in Christ, you are a seed of Abraham. Right? In other words, we're in covenant with a everlasting God. And so he says, ought not this woman being a seed of Abraham be loosed on the Sabbath day since she's been bound for 18 years? This is one thing I know about it. Whenever we have gone through something for a while, we can deal with it and we can believe or expect for things to change. But whenever we are dealing with a situation or there's a physical thing that happens or there is a, a lifestyle in which we live and it is, it is there for a long time, it is there for 18 years, it becomes the mindset that that's the way it's always going to be. I mean, if you have it for a month, if you have it for three months, if you have it for six months, you can believe and you can say, this mountain is going to move. This situation is going to change. These circumstances are not going. But when it's been there for 18 years, you take it on and accept it. Right? And most people will tell you, if you have the audacity to believe that it's going to change, they'll look at you and say, you've had it for 18 years. Why don't you just accept reality and accept it? This is the way it's going to be. I'm sure there was some that, that told that woman that, that, that this is the way it's going to be. In these two passages of scripture, we see the torment that she endured. We see that she was for 18 years was bent over and could not look up. 
And I want to look at three things here this morning. First of all, she was afflicted physically. Second, she's attacked spiritually. And then third, she's affected socially. In severe pain, she is bent over at her waist. And every day of her life, she is in this struggle and she cannot even look up. She is bent over and the only thing she can see is her own shadow. She can't look into her future. She can't look ahead of her. She is bent over and all she can see on a, a, on a sunny day is her own shadow of who she is. And it suggests to her, you're a bent over crippled woman that's never going to change. It's always going to be the same. Maybe she thought, thought about the days when she was younger. Maybe she would, could, could bring into her memory the things of how when she used to be a, a, a right upstanding young lady and was able to do all the things that she enjoyed, but never again will she be able to do that. Now she has, has this problem, this sickness, this infirmity, this physical ailment that limits her to only a memory of standing up and being able to look into the future. You see, many times in our own lives, that's what happens to us. We come to a place in our life where that we have a physical sickness or we have a, a, a financial problem or there's something that, that bends us over that, that we can't quite stand up like we used to stand up, that we aren't as bold as we used to be, that, that something knocks us down and slaps us around and we get bent over in our life and now we don't have the strength, we don't have the ability, we don't believe that anything is ever going to change. It was a physical situation for this woman, but I believe that there's a lot of people today that are bent over for many different situations in our life. And we cannot believe that anything is going to be different tomorrow than it is today. Maybe you're here today and you cannot look past your affliction. Maybe you're here today and you cannot look past your problem. It's got you bent over. And all you can do when you do open your eyes is see the reflection of your problem and your situation. But you see, that's when Jesus looked at her and he saw her. Amen. In Romans 8 and 28, he said, We know that all things work together for the good to them that love the Lord and who are called according to his purpose. And Jesus showed up that day and he saw her. And when he saw her, he spoke to the thing that was limiting her. You see, that's the thing about Jesus. He, he knows no limitation. I'm going to say that again. I said, that's the thing about Jesus. He knows no limitation. And when he sees a limitation, he always speaks to the limitation. He breaks barriers. He breaks boundaries. He breaks the power of permanency off of people's minds and off of their life. And that's where the enemy attacks us is in our mind. 
The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, right? And the strongholds are not out there somewhere in the world. The strongholds are between our two ears. The strongholds are what we've been taught. The strongholds are what we have, we have created ourselves because of circumstances that we have gone through. And because we've gone through it, we've allowed it to create our own narrative of what is truth and what is the reality. But you see, all of those things bring strongholds in our mind that we believe that because we weren't healed, that God can't heal. That we prayed for somebody's deliverance and they weren't delivered or they weren't set free. And so therefore, God doesn't do that. That's where that crazy doctrine comes from that, that Jesus quit healing when the disciples died. Amen. God, Jesus quit doing miracles. When, when Jesus died and went to heaven, God quit doing miracles. And so we create our own reality out of how we feel and what we think, never mind that that's contrary to the scripture. Because the Bible says, Jesus, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Let me just say today that whatever God has ever done, he's still doing now. He never changes. The reason why that we'll have to mow grass in a few weeks, God help us, is because God said one time, grass grow, and it's still growing. The reason why the sun comes up every morning is because he's told the sun ball, get over there and stay there, and it's still there. The reason there's moon at night is because he said, let there be a night light in the heavens. What are you saying? I'm saying that the creative power of his word never ceases. It never stops. And what God has spoken, it is still true today. And so is his word. It's not just in creation, but all of his word is still working today. And so we take that word, that creative word, that, that living word, and we begin to speak that word into our circumstance and into our situation, no matter if it's been three days, three years, or 30 years. We speak that word into that situation, into that circumstance, until it begins to line up with what God has said. Yes. She was attacked physically. This is how the enemy will work on you. I will say today that the enemy is a short scrimmage enemy. He can't last long. But he will come in tents. When he comes, he'll come with all of his fury and try to overwhelm you. He doesn't just do a little dab on you. He, he comes at you in every way he can. He came at her physically, 
And then he attacked her spiritually. That's what Jesus picked up on when he walked in the church. <laughs> the religious people seen her as bent over, broke back. But Jesus seen her as a daughter of Abraham, a person of covenant. She was an Israelite and a believer. And yet she still was under an attack of Satan who bound her and caused her body to be broken. Right? This attack came and it was a spiritual attack and Jesus recognized that and that's the reason why he called that out. He said in verse 12, seeing her. Seeing who? She wasn't the only one in the room, but she was a woman in covenant. And yet she has this ailment, she has this sickness, she has this brokenness. Another false doctrine is that whenever you're a Christian, if you got faith, you'll never get sick. Well, just see how long that works for you. Sickness will come. But where you've got the power is, is in you, you are in covenant with a God that breaks sickness, infirmity, and disease. It'll come and attack your body. It'll come to attack your, you spiritually. And Jesus looked at this physical situation as a spiritual matter. And he says, you are in covenant with God. So today, you should not be living the way you're living. You shouldn't be bent over. You shouldn't be having this go on for, in fact, 18 years. Right? She was not possessed. She was oppressed. Got, I guess I'm just pastoring, but they got some of this other stupid doctrine. I mean, strange doctrine. That people can be possessed and be Christians. Well... That ain't going to work too well. Amen. It's not biblical, number one. And second of all, he said that you, you, you can't have two masters in the same house. Right? You got to get rid of one so the other can move in. And so here she is, and she's not possessed, but she's oppressed. What is the difference? Possession is whenever it is in you. Oppression is when it's on you. Right? Granddaddy used to tell me about things and he would tell me, he'd say, you can't stop a bird from flying over your head, but you can keep it from building a nest. Right? The oppression will come. Right? Oppression of sin, the oppression of bitterness, the oppression of temptation, hatred, unforgiveness, guilt, addiction, lust, envy, greed, religion, fear, worry, financial pressure. It'll all come to oppress. It can't get in you, but if it can just stay on you, it can bend you over. 
I said it can't get in you, but if it can get on you, it can bend you over. And cause the fear and anxiety and worry and the pressure and, and bitterness and uh, all of this malice and strife and uh, guilt and condemnation, unforgiveness. And it just keeps on building and building and building day after day, day after day until it's got you bent over till you can't look up. And this is Satan's spiritual attack. It comes to attack us. But Jesus came and says to this woman that has been in this situation for 18 years. He says, you're a daughter of Abraham and today you're going to be loose. In other words, today. You may have already given up on the prayer being answered. You may have already given up on the miracle ever happening. You, you may have already given up on your children ever being saved or a joy coming into your life again. But when Jesus comes into the room, he reminds you that you're a covenant child of God. And because you're in covenant with him, what did not happen for 18 years today is going to happen. Today is going to take place. Today is going to move on your behalf. Right? So we have the physical attack. Then we have the spiritual attack. And then we see she was affected socially. Nobody invites the hunchback woman to the party. Right? Nobody invites a broke down woman over for dinner. She's ostracized. Maybe I'm just assuming here, but maybe she would, they wouldn't even help her. Maybe she had to carry her own groceries back to the house, bent over. She was looked at and laughed at. She knew the room of loneliness. She could sit down and other people would find another place in the room, I'm just assuming. Have you ever dealt with it in your life? Rejection, loneliness, You can be in a room full of people and still be overwhelmed by loneliness. You can be in the same place with the same people day in and day out and never know that you're dealing with the emptiness and the loneliness that is in your heart. The enemy has some 
maybe even here today in this room dealing with rejection, dealing with bitterness, feeling lonely and isolated, right? You know, we all know the power of being isolated. Especially over these past two years. I'm not a doctor, I'm not a psychologist, but I know the power of lonely. And I am convinced, out of my country ways, I'm convinced that a lot of people's died in the hospitals, not from COVID, but from loneliness. We weren't created to be isolated. God looked at Adam and said, you can't do it on your own. I'm going to have to make you a helpmate. You can't be lonely. Huh? That wasn't a second thought of God. He already put Eve in Adam. He just said, it's time for Eve to come out. Amen. So you can walk together. Amen. If the enemy can get you to believe you're alone and isolate you. And that nobody else has ever gone through what you're going through. He can bend you over. He can cause you to feel hopeless. He can cause you to give up on what God has spoken. Even though you're the daughter of Abraham. Even though you're the seed of Abraham. You give up on the promise because you feel like that you have been rejected, that you've been laughed at, that you're in the room of loneliness and, and you're not worthy to be what God has called you to be. Right? But in spite of her situation, <laughs> she loved God. She loved him so much that she continued to worship him. And it was her worship that caused God's attention, Jesus' attention to be drawn to her that day. And verse 12, he says, and he says that he saw her. She was not the only one there, but she was a worshiper. And I want to tell you today that if we will worship him, if we will give him praise in spite of our situation, in spite of our circumstance, in spite of what we're going through, in spite that the pressures may be oppressing us, but that we will dare to lift up our voice and praise him and give him glory and give him honor, it will create a vacuum in our life that will draw the very presence of a sovereign living powerful God into our situation and when he is drawn into our situation he will turn it around for our good yeah. Jesus called her he called her and said come to me <laughs> right he called her woman he wasn't putting her down. He wasn't a derogatory thing like woman. Like we might say in our culture. I mean, no words have life and they have different meanings. That's what I love getting back into the original context and 
you read it, something there and we see a word and it means something now, but it didn't mean that back then. And woman's not a woman derogatory thing. It was, he was calling out of her what she didn't think she was anymore. He thought, she thought she was a broke down old lady, but he said, you're a woman. You're a, you're a daughter of Abraham. There's royalty in your blood. You, you've got a heritage. You've, you've got strength inside of you. you. You've got purpose in you. There's destiny yet to be released in you, right? And so he called that out of her, and others could not see her worth, but Jesus did. I'm going to say that again. Others can't see your worth, but Jesus does. He sees inside of you. He doesn't look at you at your permanent, your, your, your present day weakness, your present day circumstance, or your present day situation. He knows how you were created. He knows that you're a person that is in covenant. And even though that your present weakness may be, uh, be, be, may be glowing in the room, he looks beyond all of that and he sees you for who you are. He sees you as the seed, the son, the daughter of Abraham that is in covenant with Father God. And because of that reason, he is going to do something about your situation. To everyone around her, she looked like she was an immense to society. But Jesus looked at her as a daughter of the kingdom of God. He said, woman, thou art loosed from your infirmity. Jesus touched her and she stood up straight and began to walk. Jesus rebuked the influence of the devil off of her life so that she could once again stand up straight. Got her dignity back. Got her joy back. Got her hope back. Huh? She came in that day bent over, but she left that day straight. She left with a lot more than just a straight back, but she left with the promise of God revealed in her life. That's what I desire to see in this present day church in America is to see God's promise revealed in your life. See the promises of God released, right? Where that we are not just expecting the everyday normalcy that, that, that life brings us and just because it batters us and just because it oppresses us and just because it bends us over that we refuse to live our life that way. But we continue to worship him until the God who is and was and will always be is a, we get his attention in our situation through our praise, through our worship and when he inhabits our praise he's going to come and turn the situation around how do you know that because he said he inhabits the praises of his people Jerusalem Israel right now watch this is God does God have lack talk to me does God have lack does he have sickness 
Is there anything he can't do? Is he restrained by anything? And I am, I'm restraining him by my praise. He's the one that wrote it. Huh? And the thing that restrains him is his own words. And his words said he inhabits the praise of his people. And so my situation, my circumstances may be whatever. But whenever I begin to praise him through my fear, through my anxiety, through my frustration, through my tears, I begin to worship him and praise him. Amen. And I declare to him, God, if you don't like this situation, if you don't like, enjoy the lack, if you don't, if you're the sickness, I know it's not something you're accustomed to, but you're going to have to do something about it because I'm not going to quit praising you. And according to your own word, you got to stay right here. And so I'm going to bless your name. I'm going to worship you in the beauty of holiness. I'm going to glorify you until this circumstance turns around. And the goodness of God is experienced in the land of the living because I'm not serving God for the pie in the sky I'm looking for his power here in the now I need his glory I need his anointing I need his revelation I need him to move in my situation now she was healed externally and everybody seen it but I believe I believe that she was healed internally emotionally that some people may have never seen that she was standing up straight with a straight back but on the inside she was standing up with a covenant God believe that the God that she served was well able to take care of her amen I like what verse 17 says it says and all the multitude King James all the people rejoiced. That was the outcome after Jesus set the religious people straight. Right? It's interesting to me that all the people or the multitude rejoiced, but just a few scriptures earlier, these self-righteous, holier-than-thou Church leaders, I can say that because I am one. Don't you be talking about them. <laughs> These religious people said, my God, what's wrong with this woman? Come up here on the Sabbath day wanting to be healed. All right? She's got six days to be healed. And she wants to come on the Sabbath. Jesus jumped all over that. He said, you, 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 you have more for your stupid donkey than you do for this woman that is in covenant with Abraham. I just wonder, don't we still have it all mixed up? 
Some people have more, more for a, an animal than they have for a human. Amen. I'm going to tell you something today. Probably shouldn't tell you why they got it on the internet. But I, Whenever I was evangelizing, I was preaching. I was preaching on Calvary. And the people just sitting there looking at me cold and everything. And I couldn't get them to seem like they couldn't buy into it. And I was talking about Jesus dying on the cross. And they, I guess they'd heard it enough. And so I just broke into a, a, a sad story about a dog. And I told them about that dog and how that dog got hit by a car and its eyes blew out and, and all kinds of ugly stuff and there's blood everywhere and, and all of that and all them people started, oh! And I said, I just made that stupid story up. And I said, you're getting all sentimental over a dog, but you can't get excited about a man that hung on a cross for you. I know that's mean, but you pray for me. <laughs> but folks, she was a daughter of Abraham, and the religious people was saying, oh, she shouldn't be healed today. Right? It's like this crazy doctrine of predestination, Calvinism. You know what's interesting to me? I've never found one person that believed in Calvinism that thought they were the ones doomed to hell. They're always the ones going to heaven and everybody else is damned to hell. It's amazing to me how that works. We get all of this stuff mixed up in our mind, but Jesus wants us all to be free. The scripture said that none should perish, but all would come to repentance. He came and he healed her. And then it says, and all the people rejoiced or the multitude rejoiced. What I want to say is this, is that it's interesting how that, have you ever been somewhere and somebody that, that is, um, Bold. They don't even have to be really respected, but they're bold and they'll, they'll, you know, just say something and the atmosphere will shift and change. And even though everyone else in the room don't agree with it, nobody else talk about it. Nobody else say nothing. <laughs> Y'all quiet. Somebody says something contrary and nobody else will say, ah, that ain't right. We, we won't speak up. We won't say nothing. But that day the devil messed up because Jesus was in the room. Amen. And, he, and, and just Matthew's translation, he said, I don't know who you think you are. But I know who this woman is. And she's a seed of Abraham. <laughs> Glory to God. She's a seed of Abraham. She's a daughter of God. Amen. And all the people, the multitude, began to rejoice. It doesn't say anything about anybody else saying, nah, nah, -uh, you ain't right. But Jesus did. 
And when he did it, and they seen the miracle, all the people began to rejoice and glorified him. Amen. I wonder how would you respond if that you seen that miracle today? How would you react if you seen that miracle? Would you would you be one that would say, "Well, that's nice. Looks like she's doing better, but let's see if it lasts." Let's make sure it lasts. I mean, let her check it out. We'll see her next Sunday, see if she's still straight up or bent back over. Let's not get too excited. Or would you be one that is excited for a daughter of Abraham? You see, some folks don't like it when people get emotional. Right? I've had people leave the church before because somebody got more emotional than they thought they should. And we used to have, you know, I, I know I've been around a long time, right? But we used to have what they called, um, people would refer to it as wildfire. Any of y'all been in the church long enough to heard those terms? None of you. Wildfire. What did wildfire mean? That meant that somebody got in their self. And they weren't in the spirit. Right? They's doing it in their self. And I understand what that is. And I, I'm not saying that that don't happen from time to time. But I ain't seen it in a long time. <laughs> And one, one person came to me one time and said, well, that, you know, it, what are you going to do about it? I said, I, don't worry about it. It's going to be all right. And, they, and I told them this. I said, it's a whole lot easier to tame a wild horse than it is to resurrect a dead one. And what I'd give for some wild horses right about now. <laughs> Amen. Because somewhere along the way, the multitude has quit shouting, quit rejoicing, quit celebrating. But our motto is doing life together. When one suffers, we all suffer. When one mourns, we all mourn. But when one rejoices, we all thank you, Jesus. Give him praise. Give him glory. Give him honor. There's many times in the scriptures whenever it says that they glorified God. The Lord healed them and with great joy and praise they would glorify him. Right? And the reality of it is, is you may think that, that God just healed that hunchback woman. But you don't know like she knows what all he's done for her. Because all of the emotional all of the physical and all of the spiritual torment came to an end that day. 
and she walked out free from her infirmities. She was free indeed. She was free indeed. And he wants to make us free today. No matter how long it's been, no matter how long we've been dealing with it, if it's physical, if it's emotional, if it's spiritual, he wants to take care of the spirit, the soul, and the body. And he wants to make us whole and complete today. Amen. 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 Glory to God. The songwriter said, he whom the Son sets free is free indeed. No more chains of slavery. The truth is triumphed in victory. He that the Son has set free is free indeed. Do you remember when you are standing on the auction block of sin? Satan controlled you because you had the highest bid. But ownership was transferred that day at Calvary when Jesus whispered and said, child, I bought you and now you're set free. I'm thankful for my freedom that I have today in Christ Jesus. Amen. What do I want you to get out of this today? I want you to get out of it that God wants you whole, your spirit, your soul and your body. And no matter how long the torment has been or may come, stand firm on his word and don't change your confession because of the circumstances of your present day situation. Believe his word. Amen. Praise God. Stand with me. I'm done. I want to thank you today, Father, for the word of God. It's a lamp unto our feet and light unto our path. You've redeemed us today from the curse of the law, within the curse of sin, sickness, disease, and the devil. And you've redeemed us. And today, when we call upon your name, we're the seed of Abraham. We have the same promise that this woman had, that we have covenant with you. So we can fully expect resurrection power grace and miracles in our life so today father i pray that somebody that's bent over physically emotionally or spiritually that this be the day of breakthrough in their life let transformation take place and let them walk out of here upright bold as a lion in Jesus' name hallelujah glory to God have I helped anybody today come on the word of the Lord has found you where you are today you just want to put a yes on the word they're going to sing today as they do this altar is open just come and say yes Lord just receive it today
Praise God. All right. Well, thank you for being here today in the house of the Lord. Praise God. You can stay as long as you like. We'll leave the lights on for you. All right. God bless you. We love you. Look forward to seeing you tonight at 5 o'clock.